I'm going to read from the Word of God, starting in John 3 and verse 1. You guys can leave the code. We're going we're gonna to just read John 3 now. There it is. John 3, 1 says this. Pharisees, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we get to, to see this interaction between Jesus and Nicodemus this morning. And God, we pray that that as we dig into it, that you would speak to us. God, that you would move in our midst by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, that you would draw each and every one of our hearts deeper into faith in you. Lord, thank you for this, this word. Thank you that your word is living and active. We pray that you'd speak to us now through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you were listening to that, you probably realize this is one of the most well-known and well-loved um, sections of Scripture in the Bible. It's a fascinating interaction because it is, it's showing us Jesus, who is the Son of God, interacting with a teacher who is teaching others of how to interact and how to relate with the one true God. Another way to say it is that a man who is teaching people about God is now standing in front of God in the flesh. And what we're going to learn from this conversation between Nicodemus, the religious leader, and Jesus, the Son of God, is that there's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. 
There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God himself. And I want all of us to really tune in and ask God to speak to us uh, this morning because we live in a country, in a culture, even in a state where it's pretty easy for us to know things about God, right? We have knowledge in our minds about God. We have access um, through our fingertips on Google to learn a bunch of things about God. This interaction with Nicodemus is, is showing us that knowledge cannot save us, that religion cannot save us, that knowledge alone cannot allow our sins to be forgiven. We must be born again, Jesus says. That means our hearts have to, to change. We must be made new from the inside out. Jesus must save us. And so instead of main points this morning, I have two main questions that I want to ask and I want all of us to answer as we go through this interaction. And the first question is, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Listen to the beginning of this interaction, verses 1 and 2. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So immediately we see Nicodemus is coming, and he's, he's coming as a man who is a leader of the Jews, and he's a Pharisee, meaning he was a religious teacher. He was teaching people about God. He was a leader in the Jewish religion. And these guys were like the ones that, that you would want to model your life after. The Pharisees were so zealous about keeping all of the laws of God that they, they took the law, but then they added on top of the law some, some rules. And the reason they added those rules is because they didn't want to even get close to breaking the law of God. So as an example, if the law of God said the speed limit is 45 miles an hour, the Pharisees would probably say, well, then we're going to wire our cars in such a way that our speedometer reads about five miles per hour less than the speed limit um, so that there's no way that we're going to possibly speed, right? So the fastest I can possibly go is 40 miles per hour in a 45 mile per hour zone because God says 45, and so we want to make sure break God's law. So they're like, they're like the guys that we would imagine, like the really good guys in our mind, and then just like sprinkle a little bit of extra goodness on top, right? Model citizens, like, like goals. That's Nicodemus. But he's curious because all of his rule following and all of his goodness has still left him with some questions. And so as he's hearing about Jesus, he decides, you know, it's night, it's dark, I'm going to go find Jesus, and I'm going to ask him some questions. He greets Jesus with a compliment. He identifies him. He says, you are surely a teacher that has come from God because all of these powerful signs you're doing could not be done if you're not from God. But then Jesus doesn't have any flattery. He goes straight for the heart of the issue. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you were with us last week, you remember that at the end of John chapter 2, it says that, that Jesus knows the hearts of man. 
And here in chapter three, we, we see that reality play out because Jesus cuts through the flattery and he goes directly to what Nicodemus needs to hear and what Nicodemus needs to know is that if he wants to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. His rule keeping is not gonna be enough for him to be able to see the kingdom of God. His knowledge about God and even the fact that he's teaching other people about God is not gonna be enough for him to see the kingdom of God. Yeah, he's a model citizen. Yes, he's the one that you would say, do like what he's doing. But he cannot see the kingdom of God, Jesus says, unless he's born again. And so I think all of us need to consider what, what this means, even for us here and now, because Jesus' words here sound different than what we can hear a lot of times in just the, the messaging of, of culture, even Christian culture. Like, all you need to do is just get better. You just need to become a, a better version of yourself, or you just need to, to try harder to obey God, or you just need to stop being so selfish. Like, we can hear those things, but the thing is, Nicodemus was better. Nicodemus was a, a great version of himself. He obeyed God's laws, and Jesus tells him that's not enough. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The same is true for us. We must be born again to see the kingdom of God. We cannot get there based on our effort, based on our discipline, based on our goodness. We must be born again. And so what does that mean? Look at Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Valid question, right? He's like, well, you're telling me I need to be born again. I don't really think that's going to work. Like, I'm old, my mom's um, older, and uh, it's not really a good idea to try to be born again. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Look at verses 5 through 8. He answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus is communicating with him. It's not, it's not a physical birth that you need again. You've already been born. It's a spiritual rebirth. Just as everyone who, who sees this world, who enters into this world, is, is born physically, so too everyone who wants to see and live in the kingdom of God must be born again spiritually. And Jesus uses the example of the wind to describe uh, what happens when people are born again spiritually. Like, you don't, know the, you don't know the starting point of the wind. We have no control over the wind, but we always see the effects of the wind, right? We hear the wind blow. We see what happens when the wind comes, and so it is with the Spirit of God. We can't, we can't physically uh, see the Spirit of God. We can't manipulate the Spirit of God to do what we want Him to do, but when the Spirit of God shows up, and when the Spirit of God makes us new, when we're born again, we see the effects. We see the result. So have you been born again? 
And as I was thinking about this story, I, I can see a lot of myself in Nicodemus. Like my story is I, I grew up, and, and when I was very young, I, I met the Lord. I, I grew to, to love the Lord. I knew that he had forgiven my sins. I knew that he had changed my heart. I, I loved being with him. I loved um, spending time with him. I was grateful to be his child. But there was a time in my teenage years where I started to get my eyes off of Jesus and, and his grace, and I started to get my eyes back on myself. My relationship with God that was once like so firmly based in his grace and in his goodness, I started changing my mind, and it started to shift in my mind, and I started to think that in order for God to be pleased with me, I, I had to obey him perfectly 100% of the time. And as a result, I was always trying to be a, a better person, right? More loving, more sacrificial, more patient. And I probably started looking a lot like Nicodemus. But in my heart, I was, I was never at peace. In my mind, I was never at rest because I never knew, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough to make God happy with me today? I couldn't decide. I didn't know. And it was exhausting. And instead of drawing me closer to God and growing my love for him, it, it made me want to just distance myself because I was, I was scared that I, I was not making him happy. But then by the grace of God and because the Spirit of God began to work, he began to change my heart and change my mind. And it was through conversations with people that then led me deeper into the Word of God. And he began to open my eyes again to his grace, to his goodness. He showed me the beauty of the good news that I had first believed years earlier that, that my sins, all of them, were paid for by Jesus. I remember that I had been born again, that my old self, my, my flesh could never, ever please God because of my sin, but that Jesus makes me new. And that because I'm born again now, that means that I'm identified with Christ, which means that, that God is pleased with me, not because of how good I've been, but because of how good Jesus has been. The old man is dead, right? He's saying, you've been born again, and now I can honestly say I'm seeing the fruit of God's Spirit in my life because I used to try like so hard to, to love and to be obedient and to be patient and to be sacrificial, and it was just exhausting. But now, by God's grace, those traits, they, they flow out of me, not perfectly, but I can truly say that they come now out of a heart of love towards God, a heart of gratitude towards God, instead of this like desperate plea to, to try to make him happy with me. That's my story. Some have stories that are similar to that. Others have stories that sound very different to mine. At our men's summer discipleship, uh, not yesterday, but the, the week before, we were, we were sharing our testimonies of how, how we were born again, how Jesus saved us. And one guy shared that he used to think that Christianity and Christians were stupid. He would get in his vehicle and laugh at what the Christians were saying and what the Bible was saying but then in a way that, that he could not fully describe, God grabbed hold of his heart. He trusted in Jesus, and he has been made new. See, God, his spirit is always working. And I want each of us to genuinely then consider that question. Have you been born again? 
because keeping the rules is not enough. Being a good person is not enough. Going to church is not enough. Jesus says, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. How? It's a good question. That's the question that Nicodemus has. He's like, well, okay, well, how does that work? Listen to verses 9 through 15. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the question, how can we be born again? It's not by pure knowledge, because even the teacher of Israel could not understand it. But it's by faith. We have to make the decision to trust that Jesus came from heaven to earth to rescue us. We must look to Jesus in faith if we want to be born again. The story that Jesus references in verse 14 is a fascinating story in the Old Testament book of Numbers because the people of Israel had been complaining against God. They were expert complainers against God. And for a long time, God was being patient with them, and then he, he had to judge them for their sin. And the judgment came in the form of these poisonous snakes that started coming and, and biting the people. And if the people got bit by the poisonous snake, they were going to be dead before long. But God set up one way for the people to be saved. He had them make this bronze serpent. The serpent was placed on top of a pole, and when Moses lifted up the serpent, God told the people that anyone who gets bit by the snake, all you have to do to be saved is to look at the serpent on the pole. If they would just look at the serpent, they would not die from the snake bite. They would be rescued. They would be saved. And they feel like, that sounds crazy. It, it does sound crazy, right? Like, if someone told me, you're going to get bit by a poisonous snake, but all you have to do is look at that light, and you'll be saved. I'd be like, all right, but can I also get like some medicine that will help stop the venom, like anything else? Uh, but Jesus, God, was showing them, for the people of Israel in that moment, it was not medicine that they needed. What the people needed was faith in God. All who looked on the serpent, because God told them to, all who looked on the serpent would be saved. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, he references that story from Numbers that for sure Nicodemus would have known. And he's showing him that that story in, Gen in, in Numbers is pointing you to me. Because Jesus would be lifted up on a pole. Jesus would be hung from a cross. He would be lifted up from the ground as he was nailed to that cross and all, everyone who looks upon Jesus would be saved. Saved from something way more dangerous than a poisonous snake bite. Saved from sin. Because even though Nicodemus was a good guy, even though he did keep a lot of the rules a lot of the time, 
he still had a sinful heart. And for him and for us, our sin has separated us from God. And if we die in our sin, then we spend an eternity apart from God paying for our sin, worse than a snake bite. But just as God made a way for the snake-bitten people to live, he's made a way for sin-plagued people to live by faith in Jesus. So if, you, if you're like, man, I, I want to be born again, well, then I believe that the Holy Spirit is working. The wind is blowing. And as my old youth pastor said, when the wind's blowing, you've got to put up your sail, right? You've got to trust in Jesus, to look to Jesus in faith right now, to remember his body was on the cross, bleeding, broken, to pay for your sin, and he did it. Trust in him. He's done the work. We look to him in faith. That's how we're born again. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus himself, again, verses 14 and 15, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That's the invitation. Believe in Jesus. And after Nicodemus tells, or after Jesus tells Nicodemus how to be born again, he then tells him why God designed it that way. And what we're going to see is that, that God sent Jesus to be lifted up on that cross, and there was one motivation, love. Love was God's motivation, love for you and love for me. So the second question I want to ask you this morning, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves you? Like, really, do you believe it? Like, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who created the galaxies that we're seeing on the, the web telescope that's, like, insane, do you believe that that same God loves you individually, personally, sacrificially? Listen to his love, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. John also tells us that God is love. Like in his essence, in his nature, God is love. And so when he shows love, when he communicates love, he's, he's showing who he is. And these verses tell us that God loves so much that he gives he doesn't just give money. He doesn't just give some advice. He gives his only son to us and, and for us so that we don't need to die for our sins, but so that we can have eternal life with him. God loves, and so he gives. He sent Jesus to save us. He sent the perfect one to die for the imperfect ones so that imperfect ones, you and me, could spend eternity with the perfect one. It's the great exchange. That's love. Do you believe that to be true? Do you know how much God loves you? And do you know that it actually gets better? Verse 18 says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. 
So Jesus is, is telling Nicodemus, there's one thing and one thing only that is either going to condemn you or justify you before God. And it's this. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus as the Son of God who came for your sin? So you remember, Nicodemus was a really good guy, right? He was the definition of a rule keeper, but Jesus is saying that he's condemned unless he believes in Jesus. And this level of love is fascinating because consider what these verses are saying, right? Jesus says that that condemnation for our sin is what happens first. He says, you are condemned for your sin, like all of us, both by, by nature, by choice. We sin against God, and our sin condemns us before God. Whether we sin a lot or we sin a little, any sin condemns us before God. But then he says that anyone who does not believe in Jesus is condemned already. So he's saying that it's for the condemned that Jesus came to die. It was for you and for me, people who are headed straight to an eternity apart from Jesus, paying the penalty for our own sin against God, paying the the penalty that we deserve that Jesus came. That's how much God loves you. He came to die for sinners. And that's the love that he invites you to experience when we trust in him. Because there's only, there's only two sides, right? Jesus says that, that those who trust in him are not condemned. And he says those who do not trust in him are already condemned. So which side are you on? If you've not believed in Jesus, if you do not trust him as your Savior and as your Lord, verses 19 and 20 explain why that may be the case. It says that this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so for some, sin and selfishness is more beautiful than Jesus. For some, even though God loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus says, well, some love the darkness more than the light. They like their sin, and so they hide in the darkness away from the light. But I can't help but in this moment, just considering the context, to think if, if Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to trust in him. Because what time of day was it that Nicodemus came to Jesus? It was night. And Jesus, later in this book, he calls himself the light of of the world. So Nicodemus is in spiritual darkness. He's in physical darkness. But the one he's standing before is the light of the world. So he's talking to the light while he's standing in the darkness. And as this is happening, his works are exposed, just as Jesus says it would happen. Jesus shows him that that his, his goodness is not enough. He must be born again. Nicodemus needs a new heart. And he learned that when he came to the light. And in John 3, in this section, we, we don't know what Nicodemus' response was. We don't know if he, if he trusted in Jesus then or if he trusted in Jesus later. 
But when Jesus' body was in the tomb, after he had been crucified, John adds a little detail, and I think he does it very much on purpose to help us. It's in John 19, 39. John says that Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So Nicodemus, who was once hiding from God, who was once hiding from the Jews, appears now to have a new heart. Right? Jesus told him that night, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And apparently he was born again at some point because after so many of Jesus' followers had left him as he was there on the cross, who is the one who's carrying 75 pounds of goods to anoint Jesus' body? It's Nicodemus. Right? He's in public. He's carrying a, a heavy weight, which... I mean, I'd be grunting if I was carrying 75 pounds because he wants Jesus' body to be anointed and he does not care who sees him. Family, that's the power of experiencing God's love. That's what happens when we trust in Jesus, when when the Holy Spirit changes our hearts. That's what happens when we're born again. We know that God loves us. We know that he has taken our condemnation away, and so we love him no matter what loving him costs. And that's why verse 21 ends, and Jesus says, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Church, so many of us have been born again. So many of us have experienced God's love, and we now have his love living in us. We are carriers of his love, and so I want to close just with an invitation to each and every one of us to intentionally remind ourselves of these truths this week. I would say open your Bible and read John chapter 3 every day this week, and as you do, remember what Jesus has done for you whether you were a good person like Nicodemus or whether you were a proud sinner, remember the fact that that you could not be in relationship with God by yourself. Your goodness could could never get you to God. Your sin could, could never keep you away from God if you trust in Jesus, as long as you look to him in faith. And so I want to invite you into, into a practice of just consistently spending your time, instead of looking at yourself, instead of always focusing on yourself, to look to Jesus, to remember Jesus, who he is, what he's done. We could spend forever examining the snake bite, but examining the snake bite won't stop the venom. Looking to the serpent on the pole will. We could spend forever looking at our sin and our our shortcomings and and how far we are from being where we want to to be, but that won't stop the condemnation. Looking to Jesus will. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, right? God sent him because he loves us. God sent him to die for our sins, and we are given new life, new purpose, new identity as we trust in him. We're born again. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are at work. We thank you that you are a God who, who loves drawing people to yourself. 
Jesus, as you stood before Nicodemus, you shared the truth of who you are and you shared the truth of what he needed. And now we, we have it recorded and we get to see, God, that, that we too need to be born again. And so, Father, I thank you for all of us in this room who have been born again, who can, who can look and say, man, I have a new life because of Jesus. I've been brought into relationship with God and he's changed me from the inside out. Lord, I pray that, that you would remind us of the fact that we were condemned, but now we've been justified. We were headed for an eternity apart from you and now we are in your kingdom and we're gonna be with our king. Lord, and I pray for anyone in here who does not trust in you, who has not made that decision yet, God, I pray that today would be the day. And if you're in that place, I would just invite you to pray with me now. Jesus, I hear you this morning. I know that your spirit is moving and I know that my sin has separated me from you. But I come to you this morning, not on my own goodness, but I come to you in faith. Jesus, I trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. In Jesus' name, and God, I pray that for each and every one of us, that this week we would see Jesus, that we would look to Jesus on that cross and remember that he died for our sin, but then we would also remember that he rose from the grave. God, you, you rose Jesus from the grave. The work has been done. What a savior we have in you. Amen.